You are listening to the Critical Mass Radio Show, Orange County's business talk show focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies with your host, Richard Franzi. Welcome to today's episode of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi, as promised. Evan Weinberg, owner and co-founder of Cismontane Brewing Company, is in the studio. Our audience demographic is 98% business owners and executives of middle market firms who listen to learn from the experiences of our guests. If your firm is interested in reaching these top decision makers, then advertising on the radio program is the answer. Each month, our sponsors gain valuable exposure through their support of our program. And with our exclusive Prospect Engagement Program, we can deliver up to 23 warm prospects to each of our sponsors and advertisers each year. If you'd like to learn more about this fantastic program, then contact Rose Chamora at 951-515-4661. Let me give that to you again. 951-515-4661. Evan, welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. It's good to have you here. Let me ask you a little bit about your background. I mean, what did you do before you co-founded Cismontane? That is a complicated story, actually. I've done a lot of different things. Um, but immediately before starting the brewery, I was working for a software company locally. Somehow went from a tomato farm to that software company, and before that was working in uh, retail, real estate, and commercial home building. And okay. then uh, before that, I was in... Uh, oceanographer in the islands, the Hawaiian Islands. Look at you. <laughs> kind of bounce around a bit. Well, that's good. That's good. Yeah. Have, yeah. So that's good to have a diverse experience. Well-rounded. You bring that to the brewing process, I'm sure. In some ways, absolutely. So how the, why, how did you co-found a brewing company? Well, I think it was a combination of things, but, um, you know, having, having been in the tomato farming industry, uh, which is kind of a unique thing. We were an organic farm, and having that kind of tangible connection to a product that you produce is something really, really unique. And then bouncing back and forth between sort of environmental work and corporate work and all this other stuff uh, kind of let me helped me to hone in on things that I'm interested in. And it, I, see, I see it as sort of an outlet for me. You know, I think in, in order to make any money in the brewing business, you need to start with a lot of money, and that's that's not the way we did it. Okay, uh, it's more of a sort of an artistic expression in some ways, and 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 having that connection to the end consumer, which is very unique. So craft beers. That's right. How did you come up with the name? Cismontane. Cismontane is an amalgamation of, of who I am and the the people that surround me and the things that surround me. Um, before. People started naming cities in Southern California, so this is like the early 1800s. They referred to the entire area as Cismontane, California. Oh, really? That term came from the French Alps originally. So you have immigrants coming to Southern California. They notice they're sort of surrounded by mountains, and they start using that term in a synonymous way. Oh, wow. And as people started naming cities and towns and areas, they stopped using it. So about the 1900s, it more or less went out of use. The the one place that it did hang on is in the environmental sciences, and so you know dirt dirt nerds of all types, and uh, those those are geologists for those <laughs> you haven't heard that term, um, but uh, the the geographers, geologists, and bio biogeographers, all those folks pay attention to that kind of stuff, and they still use the term today. In fact, I think there's even a there's even a um, like a convention somewhere called it's called Cismontane, not Southern California. Wow, yeah, okay, it's a thing. So you're really connecting to the heritage of the region then. Yeah, I grew up in San Diego, 
My family is fifth generation Californians. My great great grandfather was a bounty hunter in Lancaster. If you can imagine what that was like. Wow. Uh, um, so yeah, we're okay. we're well connected here, and I've lived everywhere from Santa Barbara to Mexico, more or less, and I kind of consider that my stomping grounds. And then with the scientific background, it all sort of tied together. Okay, so so your brewery is in Rancho Santa Margarita. That's correct. How did you pick Rancho Santa Margarita? Well, it kind of picked us in some ways. Um, there was a brewery there that was called Saddleback, and it was you know on the rocks. Let's just say. Um, and as I was working for the other company, I was kind of looking for this outlet, came across Saddleback for sale, and we were able to negotiate a good deal with the landlord and the current owner to take over the space and, you know, absolve some debt they had and stuff and just make it all work out. So it was, it, it was all about ease of entry and it was local to me. So there were there were sort of those were the combinations right. of factors that yeah. were most very a- advantageous, right? Because right. the infrastructure, the, the plant, as it were, was already there. Parts what, of it, yeah. Okay, what's the key in your experience? Because the craft brew industry is really taking hold, and which I think is amazing. Because I'm more of a beer drinker than a wine drinker, so I'm so glad now that we have <laughs> choice mm-hmm. and flexibility and rich taste. But I won't get into your. All that stuff. But you know what I'm saying? What's the key as an entrepreneur in this space? You know, it it depends on what you want to do. Uh, I think there's a lot of room. It's been sort of uh, suppressed, if you want to use that term, for a very long time. So beer has been seen as a commodity. Right. Yeah, for probably 100 years. And with this craft beer revolution, which started with homebrewing being legalized, um, you know, the 70s is where people really started taking hold in the homebrewing area. They started brewing production a little bit, and now it's sort of it's sort of reached this critical mass, so to speak. Good term. Uh, thank, thank you. And um, we are just riding the wave. And I think, it, it, depending on how you want to approach, it, I think just about everybody can do pretty well because there's a giant hole in really? the industry. It's starting to get just a hair complicated with a lot of things popping up and everybody wanting a piece of the pie so you find people diversifying a little bit you also find some really some really big players coming into the market folks that have a lot of money mm. and aren't afraid to spend it okay um, starting off you know 10 20 times our size from ground zero okay and that's that's pretty different um, well, there's a supply and demand model in all businesses, so right. you you can control your your supply to some degree. Although you have to make investment to expand that, how do you create the demand in volume that supports a growing business model? The demand's there. This is this is a vacuum, and this is a market that just hasn't been tended to in a hundred years. And with the change in laws and the change in demographic and the change of view of the consumer, you have sort of an an endless pie right now. Wow. That's going to change to a pretty big extent. Other intelligent entrepreneurs who have this idea will come into the space as well, Yeah, people are jumping into it, and it's really, really aggressive. And you've got a lot of people coming in with very little business experience. Mm. That's always dangerous. Yeah, that are taking a big risk. So we'll just see how this all plays out. I can't say what's going to happen in the future. I know there will be some attrition at some point, but I don't know when that's going to be. It's a very hard thing to put your finger on. Is Southern California an an area where craft brewing is 
is taking hold. I mean, it's, it's my sense is San Diego very popular. Northern mm-hmm. San Diego County, a lot of great places to go down there. Mm-hmm. Is that true here in Orange County? And it, Orange County's growing. It's a little bit behind the curve. So if you had to look at California as a whole, you'd say San Diego at this point by far is number one. You probably would have, they probably would have rivaled the Bay Area at one point in time, but that's sort of come and gone. Now you have Los Angeles, which is probably the second biggest market in Southern California. Um, huge consumer demand, right. not a lot of production. So really? most of the production's in San Diego. Okay. Um, there's a lot of production in L.A. There's probably more production in Orange County now than wow. there is in L.A. Wow. But Orange County is sort of the slowest market. So North Orange County and South Orange County, very different places. If <laughs> uh, anybody lives here, you're, you're, you're right. uh, in some ways painfully aware or, or acutely aware of, of the difference. South Orange County is a little bit slower to take, but it's happening. There's a couple new spots that have popped open that have been fantastic, a lot of good support. North Orange County has exploded in the last two to three years. We could not sell a keg of beer in Orange County when we opened. We had the hardest time, and we just couldn't find anybody. And when we did find accounts, they were so few and far between that it was so much work to deliver the beer, it wasn't worth it. So we just would go to L.A. or San Diego, and we'd load up the truck, and we could make all the drops and come back in less time and less effort by leaving the county. Wow. That's changed. It's a a different story now. And now North Orange County is one of our best markets in Southern California. And South Orange County is slowly growing. Mm. But it's still pretty pretty far behind. We're talking with Evan Weinberg. He is owner and co-founder of Cismontane Brewing Company. We're going to take our commercial break here on Critical Mass Radio Show. It's our third and final one, ladies and gentlemen. So don't go anywhere because when we come back, I'm fascinated on how you get your product in into restaurants and into outlets, you know, keg-based. I want to also talk about bottling versus kegs. And this is an interesting business that I've had some exposure to. And since I'm such a fan of the product, I have such a great opportunity to speak with you. We're going we're gonna to be a little selfish in with your time on the radio show. I think it's topics, ladies and gentlemen, you're going to be interested in hearing because they're business-based lessons. So stay tuned. We'll be right back after these words from our commercial sponsors. There's something positive about the word up. When things are looking good, they're looking up. When someone's down, you cheer them up. So how do you move up? Well, when it comes to getting your bachelor's or master's degree, there's one university that stacks up, Brandman University. Brandman is ranked by U.S. News and World Report as one of the nation's top 10 universities for online bachelor's programs. Brandman's online graduate programs in business and education also receive top honors. So look us up at brandman.edu. Brandman University. Move up. Smart Business Network is a business-to-business multimedia company providing insight, advice, and strategy for C-level executives of fast growth, middle market, and large companies. As one of the nation's largest publishers of local management journals, under the Smart Business name, Smart Business Network publishes 19 regional print editions, presents dozens of large and small-scale business conferences and award programs, and produces a vibrant interactive digital media presence. For more information, visit us at www sbnonline.com. UPS Protection has been protecting systems in the U.S. against brownouts, blackouts, and poor quality power for over 25 years. We provide power protection systems, including UPS, lighting inverters, generators, and service for clients from coast to coast. 
We specialize in solving all your power needs. As a direct reseller of the best brands in the industry, including Liebert, Powerware, and APC, we can solve all your power protection needs. Protecting your power is our main goal. We offer on-site or depot repair of our critical equipment. To better serve your budget constraints, UPS Protection also offers both reconditioned and new products. When you use the Premier Rewards Gold Card from American Express, the rewards points can keep on multiplying. Buy three with triple points on airfare. Buy two with double points on gas and groceries. And a single point for pretty much every other dollar you spend on the card. Then, start choosing from over a million rewards to redeem all those points. Apply today and the annual fee for the first year is on us. Call 1-800-AXP-GOLD or visit AXPGOLD.com. The annual fee for the card is $175. See terms, conditions, and restrictions at AXPGOLD.com. And welcome back to this edition of Critical Mass Radio Show. I am your host, Rick Franzi. Evan Weinberg, owner and co-founder of Sysmontane Brewing Company, is our guest for this segment. I'd like to thank and acknowledge our listeners who download our radio show as a podcast. You've downloaded over almost, I should say, like really so close to 16,000 downloads. I'd like to say 16,000 downloads, but it was like 15,978. Close enough during the last 30 days. And we here at the program appreciate your continued and growing support. All of our shows, of course, can be heard live on octalkradio.net or rebroadcast anytime from iTunes, Stitcher.com, Spreaker.com, and various other podcasting and business-related services. All right, Evan, let's continue to talk about the growth that's available to you. So you're in a market where you're still, there's a lot of headroom for growth, but it seems to me from talking to other craft brewers, one of the limiting factors is getting your supply in the hands of customers. There's only so much you can do in your own tasting room and your storefront, right? You need partners to to pour your products at different restaurants and venues. Uh, and then there's always that challenge of do we go to bottles or not? So can you can you first of all talk a little bit about how do you get the growth through the channel with your with cakes? Gotcha. Yeah, the the sales procedure for a small brewery is, is sort of hands-on. You can't sell beer without showing up. So we make a pretty large effort in being on site to meet with our consumers or, or our buyers, which are mostly bars, restaurants, and whatnot, to show them the product, take them through the tasting, explain to them what the difference is between what they're getting from us and what they're getting from someone else. We're not necessarily trying to displace other brands. We're trying to offer variety, and that's what a lot of consumers want. So if you have variety and you're doing a good job, you'll get the placements, but you do have to show up. That's the critical piece. I love having uh, entrepreneurs on the show who have a product that the consumer can sample, and you know whether it's a uh, toffee manu- baker or cookies or whatever. We've had so many different entrepreneurs who make food-based products, and I always thought, man, that's a. I, I wish I had a product that people could sample. To. It's almost like, you know, the sales process is in your mouth, right? That's you, right. You just have to get to them. Let the beer do the talking. Yeah, um, absolutely. Yeah, and and the growth portion on that side, you know, there's two different sides to this business. Most of us have tasting rooms, not all of us, and that's where your highest margin is um, to make a lot of money in a tasting room, you need to be centrally located, which means your rent's going to be really high, which is not advantageous to a production 
facility. Right. So you're sort of in this catch-22 where it's like, I want to get in the city center, but I can't get there because I need too much space and it's going to cost too much. Um, so we end up in the outskirts and we try to get as close as we can to something to, to generate a busy tasting room because that's where the big bucks are. And then when we start distributing, you have to have a pretty wide reach before you can start bringing on full-time salespeople and that sort of thing because your margin is much, much narrower. So right now, our company is sort of in that, in the doldrums, so to speak. We've reached sort of a critical mass at our tasting room, right, once again. And uh, that's that's about all we can do. So now we're trying to branch out into the market and we just don't have the funds to do it. We could get loans, but you can only service so much debt, right? So it's this complicated spot. And unless you got cash, uh, you know, there's something to be said for just keeping it small and running a tasting room only. Right. So that's where the money is. You know, one of the things that I, um, I've been through a couple tasting room tours in North San Diego. My daughter went to San Diego State, so I had the good privilege of going down with people who knew where to go, right, college students. And uh, and so we had, we've had we had great trips, right, chauffeured uh, tours. It almost feels like there's an advantage to having multiple tasting rooms in a dense geography because of this kind of touring idea that you can get. Is oh, so you're saying being on the side of a mountain in Rancho Santa Margarita is not the best choice? I don't. I, you said that, not me. I'm just asking you. Is that that? That's from a consumer's perspective, and it's kind of a novice idea. But to me, it seems like there's almost. The, oh, it's real. The okay. guys in San Diego running the tours actually have viable businesses, especially North County, Vista, right? You know those areas. Those guys are busy, and they have a lot of consumers, and they're doing pretty well. And it brings a lot of business to the tasting rooms. It's a great symbiotic relationship that's really hard to do where we are and in orange county and north orange county it may be possible soon there's enough breweries in a dense enough area that it might actually be a reality at some point i think it's still a stretch all right but we're getting there so can you help me to understand does the does the southern california palate gravitate towards a certain type of hops Okay. Hops, high gravity, lots of strong hoppy beer. That's what we like. Barrel-aged beer is a big thing here, too. But it's a pretty aggressive drinker in Southern California when it comes to beer. Um, I see in the beer community, the brewers like myself and the other guys, we're actually sort of gravitating to lower alcohol stuff. But, you know, our consumer still wants that hoppy, hoppy, higher alcohol, double IPA, and the bourbon barrel-aged stout, and that kind of stuff, which are delicious. Right. But when you're in the industry around it all the time, sometimes you just want a lager. Right. Or a Pilsner. Yeah. Pils. Perfect. Okay. I, I Okay. I go light on that on that way. But um, are you having trouble getting pro- the raw materials that you need with this growth in your industry? I mean, is that a challenge? Uh, hops have been a bit of a challenge for the last couple of years. It's been hard to get the specialty varieties. They only grow so much, and they're very, very you know, conservative in their growing practices because they have been burned. There was a big boom in the early 90s, and that fell apart, and a lot of the, the hop growers were stuck with expensive hops they couldn't sell. So... The hops have been the toughest thing, but everything else is pretty easy to get. Grain okay. is readily available. Yeast, there's more and more producers of yeast all the time. The hard thing for us right now is equipment is really hard to find. When we started, you could buy used equipment for reasonable prices. That's just not an option anymore. Used equipment's 
you know, 95 cents on the dollar. Because there's such a demand for That's it. That's right. Everybody wants it. it. And it's stainless steel. It's not going to go bad. Right. There, I mean, little things will happen here and there, wear and tear dents and whatnot. But, you know, that's those are the limiting factors. So you, you're making a perishable product. Yep. Right? It's got to be consumed in a certain amount of time. I don't know exactly how long, but it can't set f- uh, unused for extended periods of time. Right? Varies by style. Okay. But still, you got to move the product. And you got... Uh, you got a manufacturing process, right? I mean, you've got to create the product. So, who in who on the Sysmontane team is the person who's planning the production? Well, it's a combination of the sales team and the production team, and I manage most of that myself. Okay. I'm more small enough that that's still a major part of my responsibility. It's complicated, you know. We've got five states, two, uh, three countries. Um, and you know, within each state, sometimes we have multiple distributors, oh, we've boy. got brewers and I mean, some beers don't finish on time <laughs> things. I mean, it's a moving target. It is so like the balance is tough to find. And we do go out of stock on brands on occasion. Okay. And that's just part of being a small company and not having the ability to store inventory. Right? So, so tell me your business model. Are there a certain select types of beers that you're making all the time and then you're adding variety to it or how to, i don't mean to put words in your mouth but how do you construct your, your yeah we right? have five brands that we produce all the time okay and we we they're varied imperial stout ipa xpa lager and a sour and then we produce all kinds of one-offs and we have a couple of seasonals that we produce every year so it's a combination we're just making beer we're trying to enjoy ourselves and get it out in the market we can't support more than four or five core brands because we're not big enough. Okay. If we were a little bigger, we might add a couple that we'd like to keep around all the time just to have a varied, you know, profile of flavor available to the consumer at all times. But we just can't do that because we don't have enough tank space. So slowly adding brands as we get bigger, uh, doing some one-offs so that we can enjoy ourselves, do a little bit of barrel aging. So, so that's fun too. And then have some seasonals that we produce every year that are very unique. We do a California buckwheat Oktoberfest, which mm. we just brewed. We harvest the buckwheat ourselves locally. It's a native species and we, you know, brew that into the beer. It's delicious. And so we do a lot of fun stuff like that. That's kind of a once, once a year deal. So do drinkers, consumers of craft beer, do they, do they like the story behind the, the brew? Oh, yeah. They love it. Okay. Absolutely. Awesome. They want to know as much as they can, okay. especially the, the people that are really interested. So okay. how is it made? What is it made with? You know, What are you guys doing? How many fingers do you have on your left hand? <laughs> Whatever. <laughs> okay. So yeah. does that mean social media is important to you? Social media is really important, and it's a good outlet for us. It's nice to be able to put up certain things. The government does try to control us a little bit uh, with what we put out there, and every state's different. So some states will ding us for things that other states won't. So it's a super complicated thing, and I don't think anybody knows how to deal with social media yet from a legal standpoint cohesively. So we've just... Yeah, we put stuff up there, imagery, whatever we can to convey what we're trying to do. So I understand you maintain a blog as well? Uh, I do, yeah. It's... um, It's... uh, it's it's a, it's a fun thing to do. We we write about whatever random topics come up. We're not super aggressive. We post maybe once a month or something like that. Uh, but there's some good reading on there. It gives you a little you know information about what we're about and what we're doing, maybe where we're going, some cool projects we've done. Um, but it's a little neglected. Right. Is there any business model where somebody who would come to you and say, "Here's a 
here's a brew I'd like you to take on for me. Do you, is there anybody in the industry that's coming to craft oh, yeah. brewers and saying, can you make this for me? There's a lot of that. Absolutely. Oh, contract brewing is a huge industry. So it's contract brewing. Okay. Yeah. Right. Like contract manufacturing. Okay, I get that's it. That's right. right. You've got a product. you got a dream. You have somebody make it for you. You bring it to market. Um and that's the way a lot of people get started. Boston Beer got started that way. Right. So, you know, Sam Adams, they right. wouldn't exist if it wasn't for contract brewing. Right. So, yeah, that's that's a very common practice in the industry. Uh, I think, you know, sometimes it's frowned upon, sometimes it's not. depends on who you are and what your perspective is. But whatever it takes to get more people in the market, I think, is good. I think everything is... I think it's very healthy right now, and everybody's kind of working for the same goal. As long as you're making good beer, then welcome. Welcome to the club. Right. It Growth is important for most companies. You're a manufacturing company, and growth is expensive. That's right. Because you just can't create the product without an investment in infrastructure and raw materials. And then that thing That's called right. time it takes to get from the raw materials to the finished product. That's right. And then the distribution channel, which likes to eat up a lot of the margin for the favor of delivering it to the end That's user. That's right. So our end margin on... Uh, outside sales is relatively small right. and that inhibits our growth in some ways it is also the biggest <laughs> area for growth what about crowdfunding so, as a source of capital a lot of brewers do it a lot of breweries do it i think they do pretty well i think the most ever raised was around sixty thousand okay. dollars i think the average is around 20 25 grand that doesn't hurt but it comes at a cost right. you're selling expensive shirts and you're selling right. you know expensive glasses and stuff like that which is or you're fantastic growlers the best in the industry that's that's right. Uh, I've used a few, and I, I, yours is my favorite. Yeah, we've upgraded. We've gone with the stainless steel vacuum insulated growler. They're phenomenal. It keeps uh, the beer super cold. It it's does. Fantastic. Cold, fresh, and yeah. clean. Yeah. yeah, they're they're phenomenal. Unfortunately, the beer doesn't last long enough for me to really test how long it would keep it cold. <laughs> so I can't I can't say that I've te- any more than about twenty four hours. But it's kept the cold nice and cold. I've heard hours. hot car six hours middle of the day. Took the growler out. Beer was still cold. Beautiful. So there's that. Okay, so how does someone find you online? How do they find Sismontane? Sismontanebrewing.com. How do you spell that? C-I-S-M-O-N-T-A-N-E brewing.com. Fantastic. And if they're in Rancho Santa Margarita? Yeah, 29851 Aventura Sweet D. Two five eight nine one Aventura. Yeah, I'm definitely come coming by because my growler's just been sitting there. I live in San Juan now, but I've got to come back to Rancho. It's a, lot a beautiful place. It we're, is. We're doing a uh, we're doing a mountain bike ride today. So if you want to get on your bike and come ride with us, we do it every Wednesday night. Oh, wow, it's a lot of fun. Trailheads everywhere. Beautiful uh-huh. place to ride and cheap beer afterwards for the riders. I know. Only. I know people who would want to do that. I'll have to make sure that they uh, yeah. know about that, Evan. Well, thank you for being a friend of the program. Welcome to our community. Hey, thanks for having me. I really, I really enjoyed appreciate it. it. No, it's been fun. All right, ladies and gentlemen, I want to thank our advertisers who make this possible. Brandman University, Decision Toolbox, MBN Design, Smart Business Magazine, S&H Rubber, Succession Strategies, Tone Software, and UPS Protection. I'd also like to thank the team that puts the show together. Without you, we wouldn't do it as professionally for sure. And if you'd like to learn more about Critical Mass for Business or want to refer a future guest or advertise on the platform, visit my website, criticalmass4forbusiness.com. This is Rick Franzi, host of the radio show, saying until the next time we have a chance to speak, I hope that all of your business decisions will move your company in a positive direction. You have been listening to Critical Mass Radio Show Business Talk Show, focused on exploring topics of interest to CEOs who are leading middle market companies. With your host, Richard Franzi. 